Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two of the Pro Sports Podcast. I'm Michael McKenzie, your host for this and every episode. And today, hopefully, starts a consistent schedule of pushing out uh, these podcasts. Go over that towards the end. But today, we will go over the top two games in the NFL. Maybe take a look about around some of, not the greatest games, but some things we might have learned. Or some things to keep an eye out for. And then our second half of the show will consist of a little bit of fantasy football talk, but also discussing some of the developing stories around the league. So we're going to jump right into it. Our first game, we're going to talk about it. It was the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And oh man, that was a... uh, You talk about a great football game right there, folks. That was one worth staying up for. I'll tell you right now, the unfortunate timing, but some of my fantasy football league group chats, they just start going off with these trade discussions. And I haven't made as many trades as I thought I would make, to be quite honest with you. But we're going to talk about Seahawks Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals coming out on top. But you talk about some of the performances from guys on each side of the ball. Russell Wilson, 33 for 50 passing, 388 yards, three tutties. But he gave up three interceptions, one crucial one, the first to Isaiah Simmons, the rookie for Arizona, who finally made his impact felt on the field. And we talked about it in the last episode uh, just a few days ago on Friday. You know, Isaiah Simmons hasn't been involved with Arizona that much, near, not nearly as much as we would have thought he would have been. And we need to see a little more of him. Well, we, we saw some of him. Uh, that's for sure. Rushing. Chris Carson went down with an injury for the Seattle Seahawks. Carlos Hyde, as long as he's healthy, he will be taking over. Pick him up in your fantasy leagues. That's first. Second, Russell Wilson with 84 yards on the ground on six attempts. Led the team in rushing, receiving, and oh boy, if you had Tyler Lockett on your fantasy team, you were salivating at watching him play on Sunday night. 15 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. The second game this season, Lockett has had three touchdowns. One of the more, one of the most, if not the most underrated receiver in the league, and there's no doubt about it. Take a quick water break. My throat, mouth, you know, kind of dry, but you got sometimes you just got to go through it. The offenses for these two teams were insanely good, and Tyler Lockett, 53 fantasy points. I had him in a league, which was, you know, the victory was already salted away. That was just icing on the cake. But so, that was a deal breaker for a lot of people's fantasy teams. But Lockett, man, him and Russell Wilson, the connection was on point. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals offense. Kyler Murray, 34 for 48 passing, 360 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Rushing, again, the quarterback leads the team in rushing. He got 14 tries for 67 yards and a touchdown. Four total TDs for Kyler Murray on the night. And then receiving-wise, DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches, 103 yards, one touchdown. This was, uh, fantasy-wise, a game for the ages. Some of these performances we saw from, you know, Chase Edmonds even. He had 21 points himself. You know, Kyler Murray put up a pretty good showing. Russell Wilson had a good showing. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett. 
You know, of course, Kenyon Drake with a letdown because he got injured. You know, pick up Chase Edmonds if you can. But what a football game this was. And I'm just going to say this right now. The Seahawks are not going anywhere. Russell Wilson is not going anywhere in the MVP discussion. The Seahawks are not going anywhere in the division race for the division title in the NFC West. They're not going anywhere for the race to win the NFC as a whole. Uh, obviously, after the Buccaneers' performance and the fact that they are, have signed Antonio Brown officially and he's coming back on Week 9, I think that puts them in the driver's seat for the for the uh, NFC. But the Seahawks are fighting tooth and nail. They are right with them. They are right with Tampa Bay in that discussion. As for the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, this was a huge win for the organization. They were 0-6-1 against Seattle in the last seven times the Seahawks were playing in Arizona against the Cardinals. In that regard, huge win for Arizona. And they're now 5-2. and two. Had a couple of bad losses that kind of hurt them. Not too much. Kind of hurt him. But obviously, you know, you start out 2-0 and with a quarterback in the MVP discussion. And then that thing, that whole discussion, you know, they compete for the NFC West. It fades away over the course of two weeks. And then you're right back in it with a win over Seattle. They knew that coming into the game. They knew they needed that win to get back into the thick of things in the NFC West. And they got the win. And that's huge for Arizona. The Rams picking up a win as well, meaning you've got a five and one team at the top of your division. You've got a five and you you got two five and two teams right behind them, and a four and three team sitting in last place. That division is the best in football, no doubt about it. You can't change my mind. I'm a Steelers fan. Why wouldn't I say the AFC North? Because the Bengals are at the bottom of the division. They hold them back from the NFC West because the NFC West have four top-tier caliber teams, and the AFC North only have three when you're looking at records. When you're looking at records. But the Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins connection, I think that that was huge for both of their games. Because now DeAndre Hopkins, he, I mean, he's going to a team where they have the opportunity, they have the talent, and they have the ability to win football games, and they're doing it. And for Kyler Murray, he's got a number one target who's still in his prime and can catch footballs and is the best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. You go from Larry Fitz as your number one to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, no knock on Larry Fitz. He's a top ten wide receiver all time. I love the man. But that's a huge step up, at least, especially at this point in Fitz's career. He's not in his prime anymore. There's, He's not even close to it. Not even close to it. For the Cardinals, this is a huge win for Arizona. All you Cardinals fans out there, you can ha- you can celebrate this win all you want, but obviously you've got to keep your eyes on the prize, the next task, and the reason you can celebrate this win a little longer is because this is your bye week. So, you know, obviously you're looking ahead at your next game if you're the team, but if you're the fan base, you know, hang your hat on this win for a week because you don't have a game this week. So keep talking about it. Keep talking about how the Arizona Cardinals can win the NFC West. I have been huge on the Steelers are vastly underrated by the majority of NFL fans, and 
don't get nearly enough appreciation for what they've done. So I'm going to do the same for the Arizona Cardinals. They don't nearly get enough appreciation for what that team is. They get knocked when they take a couple of bad losses. Apparently Tyler Lockett's up for trade discussions in one of my fantasy leagues. Uh, I don't know about that. The Arizona Cardinals are a really good football team. Really good. In my opinion, in the discussion for NFC West, for an NFC West title, looking on the Seahawks side, Seattle has a game this week. They came off their bye week in this game. I don't think that's an excuse for Seattle at all. They had opportunities to win this game. A lot of them. A lot of them. And when you look at their games this season, they have not played in a game aside from the Falcons. They've Sorry about that. Uh, had to take a sneeze. Aside from the week one game against the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks have not played in a two-possession football game. Patriots won by five. Cowboys won by seven. Dolphins won by eight. Still technically one possession. Uh, Vikings won by one point over a one in five team. Bye week coming off of it. Lose by three to this to the Arizona Cardinals, but you know you talk about. I mean, obviously all of you are here from TikTok. We're not going to sugarcoat that fact. And. A lot of people are using those Thanos sounds, you know. The 49ers are up next. Whether they're at the bottom of the division or not, they're a good football team. And this is going to be another test for Seattle, even if it's at home. The 49ers are going to show up, and they're going to come ready to play, injuries or not. Injuries or not. They need this win. They know it. That locker room really wants to go into Seattle and just pound the Seahawks. Get this signature win to get this organization and this team back to where it needs to be. Back on the tracks of, at least near the tracks of where you were at this point last season. I mean, Sunday night, it's, I mean, the Falcons lost more than you could know. But now is no time to mourn. Because they got this tough test coming up, and they really, they got to show up, and they have to win this game by two possessions, in my opinion, to show the league that they're not just some team that's going to continue to play down to the level of their opponents or play up to the level of their opponents when they have to play great teams. It's something similar as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan to what I've seen from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You look at the Browns game, they went 38-7. to The Titans game, they're up by 20 points in the third quarter, and that offense just t takes a completely different route. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, beat the Eagles by nine. Not not that impressive, but it's a two-possession win against a team that almost gave an overtime fight to the Ravens. You defeat the Broncos and the Texans each by one possession. Not impressed. Not really that impressive. They played down to the level of their opponents, and they're going to suffer trap game losses like this. I don't know if it's a trap game technically, but they're going to suffer losses that they probably shouldn't have taken. The Cardinals are still a really good football team, but I still don't think the Seahawks have any excuse to lose that game. I mean, what what kind of play calls are you running third down and w more than seven yards to go to the first down, and you're going to try a one-second pass to somebody who's not even going to look back? I don't even know who that was intended to. 
and you're going to try to throw it into double coverage with Isaiah Simmons there, even though you don't have any tape on him, you have to know he's going to be a threat to go after the football in that, in that situation. The, the Seahawks have a lot to take away from that game, and it's it's back to the drawing board for them, and it's back to finding out what, six, what made this team success and what put them at the top of the NFC throughout the first few weeks of the season. Get back to that. Take it, into San, take it at home against San Francisco. Get yourselves back on track. Let's talk about the other great game of the weekend, Steelers, Titans. And we're going to start on the Steelers side of things. A big Ben Roethlisberger. Two touchdowns, both to Deontay Johnson, who coming, who coming back off an injury, had a monster game. And I've been saying this since the offseason. Deontay Johnson is Antonio Brown 2.0, in my opinion. He has the ability to become the number one wide receiver on this team by the end of the season. I said midseason with those injuries. I think it's now end of season. Juju finally got back to the production that he was giving in 2018 and something similar to what we got week one when they faced the Giants. And I'm going to tell you why right now. It's because Chase Claypool got the attention of that defense. And I'm, an, I'm a Steelers fan. I'm going to admit this. Juju is only a big threat as a wide receiver, too. As a wide receiver, too, he's one of the biggest threats in the league. As a wide receiver one, I just don't see it. When he gets the attention of that defense, I just don't see it. They put the attention on Chase Claypool because he had two great games in a row, one of them being phenomenal, one of the best games we've seen from a rookie wide receiver ever in the history of the NFL. He had one catch for negative two yards, and it was a little shovel pass on what was technically an end-around jet sweep type of play. So you put that attention... So defenses, they're going to have a lot of trouble trying to defend these Steelers wide receivers. You got three guys that when they don't receive the attention of that defense are going to be massive threats. Uh, Juju just explained it. Chase Claypool just explained it. Deontay Johnson just explained it. Deontay Johnson got wide receiver three attention from that defense and he put up two touchdowns, eight catches for 90-some yards. Great game. I... Personally, I believe that the only way you're going to be able to stop the Steelers in the pass game is to hope Ben decides to throw it 45, 50 times a game because he doesn't want to hand it off to Connor because people need to realize that this season, when looking at this season alone, not past performances, but this season alone, James Connor's a top 10 running back. He's been a top 10 running back from week one to week six this season. Week one performance, again, not really that appealing at all. Aside from that, 300-yard games. Was on pace for 100 against the Titans, and the play calling and the, and the offense just went away from him for only God knows what reason. Should have had 100 yards in that game. But still, 300-yard games through six. That's half the performances, 100-yard games. He's on pace for eight 100-yard games. Easily on pace to be a thousand yard rusher in the NFL. And he should have been in 2018. Came 27 yards short. Was on pace for it last year as well. Missed six games due to injury. Now he's healthy, he's ready, and the dude is amazing. He's been amazing this season. Steelers fans are the only ones who are going to be able to tell you this because they're the only ones that are watching games thoroughly and realizing what James Conner is doing for this team, especially in the run game. Been phenomenal. This Steelers offense does not get enough respect. 
They're the only team in the NFL this season to score 25-plus points in each of their first six games. The only team. The Kansas City Chiefs haven't done that. Or excuse me, my bad on that. They are the second team. Seattle Seahawks have also done it. They're the first team in Pittsburgh franchise history, at least, to score 25-plus points in every single game this season. Every single one. They haven't lost. And I, I, I want people who are that stupid enough to say the Steelers still haven't played anybody, especially after this weekend. That narrative has got to stop, especially when you're praising teams like Kansas City to be over top of them. Like even some people are praising Buffalo to be over top of them. Baltimore. Like, they haven't played easy schedules. Take a look at it. Looking at the playoff picture for the NFL, the Steelers have played three, up, three teams that are in the playoff picture currently. The Eagles, the Browns, and the Titans. The Ravens have played two. The Browns and the Eagles. The Chiefs have played two. The Ravens and the Bills. I'll have to go back and double-check, but I do not believe the Raiders are in the playoff picture as we speak after their loss to Tampa Bay. Uh, but looking at Buffalo, I don't believe they've played any playoff teams, that are, any teams that are in the playoff picture currently. So when you look at those three teams, those three teams are, being are the ones being dubbed better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And people are saying the Pittsburgh Steelers have had an easy schedule. Uh, the guy, the teams that you were saying are better than them have had similar schedules in terms of how easy they've been. So, you know, I, I just want to put that out there. And one, one, one argument was, well, look at what these teams did last year. The, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. The Ravens went 14-2. and two. Uh, The Bills made the playoffs at least. Uh, the Bills ma made the wild card. They were a good team, uh, but... They don't have a phenomenal offense, really. They don't have that great an offense, especially with Josh Allen as your quarterback. Uh, if these past two weeks haven't proven that he's not a top-ten quarterback in this league, then I don't know what else will. Look at what the Steelers had last year. James Conner out for six games. Juju was out for an extended period of time, at least four games for the season. Ben Roethlisberger was out for the entire season. And this season, watching the Steelers play, it is so clearly evident that Ben Roethlisberger in the quarterback position holds so much, not just power, but value to any offense. They went 8-8 eight eight with Doug freaking Hodges and Mason freaking Rudolph as their quarterbacks. That defense was, the, was winning them games with that horrible offense in this new day and age of football where it's offense, offense, offense. This isn't 1985. This is 2020. This is not defense wins you championships anymore. I still believe in that, but this is not nearly the level of it. This is now offense wins you games. And offenses that choke late in games help you win. If your offense, if your offense is going to continue to pound the ball down opponents' throats, you're not going to lose that game. If your offense chokes and they can't finish out games, you're going to lose. Because the defense, 
aspect of things really haven't been the same. But the Steelers' defense was winning them eight games. They won. They won all eight games. Not gonna lie, they did. They really did. So you got an offense like the Steelers did last year with a rookie Deontay Johnson, with Juju out for four games, with Ben out for the season, with James Conner out for six games. All three of those guys making their impact felt. Juju, you want to know why he's impactful? Because he's taking attention, the attention of defenses and taking it off of guys like Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Chase Claypool, allowing them to get open and allowing Ben to find them and just throw the ball right at defenses when he needs to. That's where Juju's impact has been felt when he's not putting up those numbers for your stupid fantasy team. That's where. Let's take a look at the Titans now uh, because the Steelers just put respect on their name. And if you need to see them beat the Baltimore Ravens, then, you know, you're just you just don't want to admit the fact that the Steelers are a good team. But so be it. We'll go do it for you. They'll go do it for you. Let's talk about the Titans. Ryan Tannehill this season has been a top 10 quarterback in the league. Derrick Henry, the best rusher in the league. Oh, yeah, he was held to 75 yards on 20 attempts. One of his worst games of the season. And yes, I know it's crazy saying 75 yards is a bad game for a running back. But what, but Derrick Henry's the leading rusher in the league. And when you're not like a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley that can make up for 50, that can make up for 75 yards on the pass game, you know you're kind of going to get a little more knocked for not putting up 80 plus yards. Because essentially, when the offense is like that operating like that, you essentially need that because you can't force it to be all on the pass game. And then, I mean, even if you're taking attention away from Derrick Henry and he's probably going to get open, you know, if he's not being impactful, they're not really going to respect Derrick Henry because they think they can stop him. They didn't really get away from that. But Ryan Tannehill, great game, especially throwing the ball to A.J. Brown. Uh, Corey Davis kind of showed up for the Titans. Uh, three catches, 36 yards, and a tutty. The Titans aren't going anywhere after this loss either. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. They are what you call the comeback kids. They also kind of play down to the level of their opponents. They had to come back against the Texans, and they were a missed field goal shy. They, they, I should say a made field goal shy of coming back down 20 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team in the NFL. The defense of this team, especially in the third down aspect of things, really needs to pick up if they want to get back to the AFC Championship game. If you can improve that defense, especially on stopping offenses on third downs, this team will be fine. That's the one thing they need to work on. Uh, when we come back on the show, the top developing stories around the league and a little bit of fantasy football talk on, a pro, on the Pro Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the top developing stories around the NFL, the trade deadline, just a week away. Uh, thinking about doing a trade deadline special episode. Uh, trying, uh, what I'll probably do is end up cramming the recap and the weekend outlook for the NFL into one episode on a Thursday and do a specific trade deadline special episode uploading uploaded on Tuesday. Uh, that's the plan, hopefully. But a big trade made today. Everson Griffin given to Detroit for a sixth-round pick. That's it. I'm not kidding. That was the trade. If you're Dallas, 
if you're a Cowboys fan and you're looking at this, if you're if you're the teammates in the locker room looking at this, if you're Mike McCarthy looking at this, the first word that pops into your mind, the first thing you're thinking, it's a four-letter word. It's the worst thing, especially a Cowboys fan wants to hear in that god-awful division of the NFC East that they had a chance of winning. It's called tank. But what would they be tanking for? Well, an entirely new defense and a new defensive coordinator would be a start. Obviously, I think you're going to repay Dak. Dak was amazing before he got injured. You got to repay Dak. In my opinion, you got to trade away Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott has not been valuable to that offense really since Dak left in the slightest. Look at his performances. Two fumbles against the Cardinals didn't even eclipse 60 yards. Eclipse 60 yards, I believe, this week. That's it. Had maybe one catch. And that was against the Washington football team. Against the Cardinals, two fumbles, 50-some yards. Had a few catches. That helps some fantasy owners, but that's it. Didn't do really too much. The offense, uh, defenses now have to shift specifically to defending the run, especially when you got, what, Ben DiNucci as your quarterback now that Andy Dalton has gone off. And now that Andy Dalton is off, uh, just going to say this, by the way, that was an absolutely dirty hit. Uh, prayers for Andy Dalton. Hopefully he gets better. Nothing but respect for Dalton coming from a Steelers fan. But, I mean, defenses don't really have to do too much. Take away Ezekiel Elliott, which, you know, he's kind of taking himself out of the Cowboys offense in terms of, effectiveness and value and you're fine you can have the top you can have cd lamb amari cooper michael gallup one of the best receiving cores and one of the best pass catching cores in total adding in your tight ends all day long if you don't have a quarterback that can hit them open if you don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball really good it's not gonna matter it's not gonna matter at all dak prescott and his value is truly being felt and being found out now and I think that for Dak, this is nothing but good. He can use this as leverage. Everybody was saying, you know, is this injury going to be used as leverage against Dak? No, it's going to be used for Dak because the Cowboys are tanking for a top five pick. Not a top ten, a top five pick. I believe that they're going to go after a guy like, I would say Michael Parsons, but their linebacker position is already fulfilled with Sean Lee and Leighton Vander Esch. They're going after either a secondary player or a front seven or a defensive line guy. Their linebacking core, in my opinion, does not need as much help as that secondary and as that D-line. They did get Trayvon Diggs in the draft, who I believe should have been a first-round pick. He is busted so far, but that's not to say he doesn't come back in the offseason to do a lot better. In my opinion, you have to go for a defensive lineman or a defensive end or an edge rusher, something of that nature in this draft. You have to focus on that D-line for Dallas, and you're not going to be able to really do it too much with a sixth-round pick. Unless you're going for offensive line, which in that case, that's good. That's great. Offensive lines, linemen are the best diamonds in the rough in the later rounds. That's the best position to find value at in the 6th and 7th round. So good job for Dallas in that regard. If that's what they're going for. I, I believe they should be going for D-line or secondary in that regard. You know, you have to get a fourth-round pick out of Everson Griffin, who's a pretty good defensive lineman. You're trading him away at that point. At this point, I think you're going for a young defensive lineman that can help you immediately, that has a lot of talent, a lot of potential, a lot of upside, that can go into Dallas and make his impact felt his rookie year. And the only way that's going to happen is if they fire that defensive coordinator. Dude cannot only just not really coach a defense, but he can't keep hot sauce out of his eye on a Monday practice after getting blown out by the Washington football team. 
team that doesn't even have a damn name. They lost 25 to 3. If you're a Cowboys fan, and if you're a football fan, you should be ashamed that Dallas and the Dallas Cowboys were dubbed America's team. Because America's team is horrendous right now. Horrendous. And for the Lions, I, I don't know what this means. Because they're 3-3. Three and three. Just picked up a win against the Atlanta Falcons. They're back on track somewhat. People were calling for Matt Patricia to be filed, fired. Guilty as charged. Not gonna lie, not gonna lie, but dude is kind of kind of saving his job right now. Not you can't lie. Dude is having a bid to save his job as the Detroit Lions head coach. But he needs to keep up this pace. His he's got to make sure his team does not take the foot off the gas pedal when it is being pressed into the floor and possibly through the floor of the car. The foot needs to remain on the gas pedal. I don't care who you beat. You go from what one and three to three and three, couple of wins in a row. You are somewhat peaking right now. You have won some football games, and you're looking kind of good. And you go out and trade for a D lineman like Everson Griffin to help you on defense right now. You've got to keep your foot on the gas pedal. You can't take it off. You can't have a bad loss that sets this team back a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Lions' upcoming schedule and tell you what they have to go against to keep that foot on the gas pedal. And... Again, I, I don't think the Lions are making the playoffs, but you have to become a threat. You have to make your presence known in the NFL because that really hasn't happened in quite a few years. Probably since, you know, at the at the earliest uh, Calvin Johnson days. Uh, their upcoming games, the Indianapolis Colts regarded as a top-five defense in the league, no doubt about it. The Vikings, who are 1-5, that could be a good win. The Washington football team, another chance at a win. The Panthers, Panthers are looking all right right now. That could be a win. Texans, 1-6. That team is fed up. Changes are need to be made, and they really haven't been made. Even though Bill O'Brien's been fired, there's still no change in culture in that team. That could be a win. The Bears, I don't see them winning that game. Bears, I mean, they're one of the worst 5-2 teams in the league, and that was shown last night because their offense is literally non-existent. It is as, as, as extinct, my God, as extinct as the freaking dinosaurs. But... I still see the Bears winning that game. Packers, I see the Packers winning that game. Titans, I don't see there being any way the Lions win. Again, Buccaneers, same thing. But then you got the Vikings to close out the season. So those toss-up games, we'll, let's say we award those to the Lions. Best case scenario, Titans win. Excuse me, the Lions win every single toss-up game. Puts them at 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. 5-1, 5-2, 5-3, That puts them at 6-4 and in the rest of the season and would put them at 9-7. and and then if you get one of those upset wins, you're sitting pretty in the you you might be sitting in the playoffs. This Lions team can do something. It absolutely can. Oh my god, I hate you so much. All right, sorry about that. I had a few technical difficulties, but we will just move that. Uh, we're gonna have two segments, kind of for uh, the second part of the show. I don't know if you could notice that little transition, but we're just gonna keep rolling on fantasy football. Uh, we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, first off, Christian McCaffrey does look like he's going to come back this Thursday, which is not only huge for fantasy football, but he's huge for the Panthers in general because they're sitting at 3-4 and four, uh, with a legit shot to do something in the NFC 
a division to make the playoffs, I should say, because the South, with the signing of Antonio Brown, it's been made official today. I uh, talked about it in the last episode, but you know, what I don't know if anybody can stop them, especially with the Saints, uh, kind of hitting a self-destruct button, especially with Michael Thomas in the locker room. Uh, Antonio Brown 2.0, as some people are describing him. I I really think that the Saints could have been something good this year, and they just flat out. I mean, obviously they were. They just weren't. And the Bucks took over that division. Gathered everybody they can. Gave Tom Brady the supporting cast he needs to make history. And that history is to be the first team to host the Super Bowl in their own city and make the Super Bowl. It'll be the first team in NFL history to do it. And looks like they're the front runners to do so. But Christian McCaffrey's coming back. Uh, for those of you trade junkies out there that like to try to give some people away, uh, people ESPN at least still has Mike Davis projected the full 19 points. Uh, they've un- they've designated Christian McCaffrey to come off the IR, but it hasn't happened officially yet. I don't believe uh, he's been designated to come off the IR though. Uh, so if you are one of those trade junkies, and if you got some people in your league that haven't been paying attention to the Christian McCaffrey situation and just know Mike Davis has been putting up strong numbers, you know. I hate to say this, but try to scam them. Uh, if everybody in your league is football knowledgeable and they know what's happening, uh, there's not. it's not like Mike Davis is going to have absolutely zero value because I can't see them coming off that high ankle sprain. I can't see Christian McCaffrey taking 100% of the snaps at running back again. I can't see that happening immediately. Happening immediately. So if somebody's looking for a temporary solution at running back, try to get some value from Mike Davis, uh, trade him away. The only league I have Mike Davis in, I, I have Christian McCaffrey in, so McCaffrey's going to easily replace Davis for me. Uh, if that was the case for you, then, you know, stash Mike Davis on your bench in case something happens again. Uh, if you don't have Mike Davis, you know, and the person that has Mike Davis knows Christian McCaffrey's coming back and he's panicking to get rid of him, he's trying to get somebody, you know, maybe lowball him and try to stash Mike Davis on your bench because I feel like he's going to be in a similar situation as Alexander Madison. Uh, everybody was stashing Madison on their bench because they knew Cook was injury prone. Uh, now with this high ankle sprain that could re, that could be re-exact, I don't know what the word is. I'm trying to find the word. Uh, that could be re-aggravated. There it is. That could be re-aggravated. Uh, it's not going to go away very easily for McCaffrey. Uh, so there's going to be a few weeks where, you know, his ankle, you're going to be on high alert to make sure that nothing happens to it. So, you know, go out and lowball the Mike Davis owner and try to stash him on your bench. Uh, something similar to the Alexander Madison situation uh, where people were drafting him in the 13th round of their fantasy drafts to stash him in case a cook injury happened, which, hey, it happened for one week. Uh, Madison busted big time. So, you know, that that really didn't work out. <laughs> Obviously. So, fantasy football-wise... Now is where fantasy leagues are starting to separate the pretenders from the contenders. And if you are a contender, you've got to be willing to take some risks on the trade block. Uh, the, waiver, the waiver wire this year, in my opinion, is more valuable than ever because of all the injuries, because of all the no-name or not-known very well breakout stars that we've been seeing the entire season because of these injuries. There's people on bye weeks that you need to pick up. Uh, in my opinion, Chase Edmonds. Dude, go ahead and do that. Uh, Kenyon Drake going to miss a few weeks. Chase Edmonds is going to be in that backfield, and Edmonds has had a 
couple of 20-point games, uh, double digits for half the season. Dude has been putting up some solid fantasy numbers as the number two running back on the Arizona Cardinals team. So go ahead and I would say go out and try to get Chase Edmonds. And, uh, I mean, he's on a bye. If you need a running back right now, obviously don't. But if you don't need a running back right now, if you want to stash a good backup or maybe even a flex option, go out and get Chase Edmonds. He's going to be gone very quickly uh, if people are not looking for him specifically on waiver wires and they're just looking for a high running back that they can start this week. Uh, waiver wire-wise, I mean, there's nothing really to pick up. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's been picked up in most leagues. Uh, people are saying Carlos High. He's questionable. He's got the red uh, Q next to his name, and people don't know if he's going to play, whether he's going to be healthy or not. I say if you are able to, if you have an extra player on your bench that you really have just kept there hoping for a breakout and it really hasn't happened yet, J.K. Dobbins, uh, go ahead and pick up Carlos Hyde and drop that specific player. Because he's going to be, because Carson's expected to miss a week, a few weeks as well. He's in a similar situation to Kenyon Drake. I do think he's going to be out for maybe a week less than Drake. I'm not sure about that just yet because it's it's limited information on Chris Carson front, but it does not look good for him playing this Sunday. Uh, to hide, you, you have to take the risk with Carlos Hyde, especially if you're a Chris Carson owner. Go out and get him. I feel like Carlos Hyde's going to have an all right game. He's not as great as Carson in the past game, but they've sort of gotten away from Carson in the past game anyway. Uh, I feel like Carlos Hyde could have a good game. He's, he has the talent. Coming out of Ohio State, he was a highly regarded running back in the NFL draft, a highly regarded running back prospect. And the talent has not really gone away that much. Uh, it has kind of gone away, but go ahead and pick up Carlos Hyde, especially make a point to pick up Carlos Hyde if you are a Chris Carson owner. Somebody that I think people should try to go out and trade for uh, while his... Uh, value is still kind of low on, because of the injuries. Uh, it's two Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I say two, actually, Pittsburgh Steelers. Might be a little bit of a homer pick. I really do not care. Bias, I don't care. You guys know I don't care about bias or not. You should, at least. Especially when it comes to the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, I still feel like if you own Deontay Johnson and somebody tries to come in, know his worth. I do believe he's going to play this week. All signs point to him playing this week, so don't don't get panicked by the question mark by the Q next to his name because he's been injured for the majority of the season. Uh, if you you got to get high value for him, another guy, James Conner. Um, I don't think people realize his fantasy value. It's going to be it's going to be insane, and it's going to go up and up and up and up the rest of the season. I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to learn a lot from the Titans game, and they're going to realize that in the second half of games when you know you have a big lead on a team like Tennessee, pretty similar to Baltimore, if, if they go in a similar situation, it's not going to happen. But they go in a similar situation. We're up 24-7 going into the half. The run game's been working. 70-plus yards to Connor. Give him the ball a little more. Feed him the rock. I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to learn from that game, and they're going to give Connor more touches. And that he is his fantasy value and impact is going to go up tremendously. Uh, before that happens, and before people realize Connor is a viable, viable, great option for their fantasy team, go out and try to make an offer for him. I feel like James Connor is going to win you a fantasy league because of the, the way the Steelers' offense is structured compared to uh, the past two years with Connor. Who I mean, he's kind of busted. Uh, because of the way the offense was structured, and it was whether it was Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, or Ben Roethlisberger, it'd still throw the ball about 35, 40 times a game. Uh, they're getting away from that. They're uh, aside from the Titans game, they've realized that sometimes we need to hand the ball off 
20 times, 25 times, maybe even 30 times among all our running backs, uh, rather than throw the ball 50 times and risk that comeback. Uh, and they tried and they tried to get away from that against Tennessee, and it really didn't work. I feel like that they're going to learn from that and go back to the ways of handing the ball to Connor, feeding him the rock, running out some clock, and milking away the game. And his fantasy value for that is going to go up tremendously. So make sure I would go out and try to make an offer for Connor if you have the vicinities on your team too, because I think Connor owners are starting to realize the value that he brings to a team, fantasy wise. So go out, try to make an offer for Johnson. Uh, if you can try to get a low ball offer, uh, do it. If you can go out and low ball somebody, do it. But if not, and you're, you're desperate for looking for a flex, you know, might might want to take a risk for Johnson because I feel like he's going to be the one guy. I mean, I said it. He was going to be the number one by the end of the year, but with the way Chase Claypool has emerged and the games Johnson missed, I don't feel like there's a chance Johnson becomes the number one receiver on that team. And we know. Whatever the defense, whoever the defense decides to put their main attention on as a wide receiver one. We saw it was Claypool against Tennessee, so Juju and Deontay Johnson's fantasy values went up uh, against the Eagles and against the Browns. It was Juju. His fantasy value was not good at all, but Claypool's was skyrocketing through the roof. Uh, I don't think Johnson's ever going to be targeted by the defense as the wide receiver number one. So his value is going to be really high the entire season. Go out and make an offer for him. Go out and make an offer for Connor. His fantasy value is going to go through the roof. Probably the best we'll ever see in Connor's career to finish out the season. He's going to win you a fantasy league. Go out and get him. That wraps up episode two of the Pro Sports Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, stay tuned for content on Pro Sports Opinions TikTok account daily. Uh, the preview of the weekend ahead in NFL-wise will come on Thursday night. So stay tuned for that and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already.